Before we get started, before any of this starts, I'd like to remind you that you can experience an ad-free version of this by clicking the link in the description that says plus.acast.com slash s slash Radio Free Catholic. May God bless you and the Virgin protect you. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Exurgat Deus Dissipentur Inimici Eius, et Fugiancio Deruntium Afacia Eius. Let God arise and let his enemies be scattered, and let all those who hate him flee from before his face. So I said that I would make a correction when I got more news, and in this particular case, I got more news. I'll start by saying that uh, I was not paying nearly close enough attention to the saga of Father James Jackson of the Fraternal Society of St. Peter. Evidently, and this can be confirmed with the National Catholic Register, um, subsidiary of EWTN, that there were some additional issues that seemed to pop up that indicate something to the effect of Father Jackson's guilt. I would imagine the story is still developing somewhat, but as you know at this point, Father Jackson did plead guilty, um, and apparently he committed a parole violation, or a a violation of the terms of his bail. Um, We only have the statement of the prosecutor, and I do have a natural distrust of prosecutors, at least in the American system. Um... But it does appear that he was willing to concede enough to state that he may have violated the terms of his bail and that the prosecution could prove probable cause that he may have committed more crimes. 
that is a very specific concession. It is not an admission that he committed further crimes. It is that they could prove probable cause to having committed more crimes. I don't know fully what that means, and we probably won't know until such time as Father Jackson decides to actually put out some sort of statement directly through his attorneys or or whatever. Um, And so I would still recommend caution in judgment, just as I would also say, as is the case in this podcast, that those of us who purport to proclaim the Catholic faith those of us who preach the gospel in any way, shape, or form, we all need your prayers. And so I would ask that you continue to pray for the soul of Father Jackson and for the truth, whatever that is, to come out in its fullness so we can at least understand what the heck was going on. This podcast episode is going to be formatted a little bit differently because I recorded the bulk of the story. Every Everything that I was talking about was recorded several days ago. And since this is the final preparation for me to actually put this podcast on the air, the format's going to be a little bit different. And I'm not going to open this time with an opening prayer, but rather going to use the opening prayer and the intro and all that from the other podcast. So it's going to sound kind of like a double beginning. Um, The difference, of course, being that with this intro, I did have an opportunity to record with the guitar, and I will also record the outro with the guitar. But everything else is going to be a little bit awkward. So, I do hope, well, I hope a couple of things. First, that you're aware that you are always in my prayers, and that I continue to ask for your prayers. Enjoy the episode, and may God bless you, and the Virgin protect you. Exurgat Deus dissipentur inimici eius, et fugiancio derunteo ma facia eius. Let God arise, and let his enemies be scattered, and let all those who hate him flee from before his face. So, on this episode, I kind of wanted to talk about um, a little bit of the demonic. Now, I'm not going to talk specifically about any demons or anything like that, Um, but some of the interesting things that I've noticed through my spiritual walk that maybe some of you might understand as well. Um, And I will say this is actually going to be different for most podcasts um, because I will probably actually be talking about some very close-knit things, um, things that have come up in confession and things of that nature, and some things that I've still got to actually bring up and get some guidance about. Um, So if you happen to recognize some of this on your own and you happen to know somebody who I could contact um, for kind of picking apart some of the things I'll be talking about here, feel free to email me, caleb at radiofreecatholic.com. And with that... This is Caleb the Mechanic with Radio Free Catholic. Let's get started with a prayer. In nomine Patris et Filii et Spiritus Sancti. Amen. 
Santa Michal Arcangela defendenos in Proelio, contra nequitiam et insidias diaboli est opraesidium. Imperet ilideis supplicas deprecamur, tuque princeps militae calestis, satra malios que spiritus malignos que ad perditionem animarum, pervegantur in mundo divina virtute, in infernum trude. Amen. Cor Iesu Sacratissimo miserere nobis, Mater Dolorosa, ora pro nobis. Beatus Carolus Domo Austriae, ora pro nobis. Domine, ostende facem tuum et salvi erimus, Ave Maria Purissima, Immaculata Conceptio Est. In nomine Patris et Filii et Spiritus Sancti. Amen. So one of the things I've <coughs> noticed, um, I'm, I would say, a little bit more in tune to not really in tune. No, that's not the right word. I am a little bit more aware of the influences of the demonic in my life, above and beyond the obvious temptations of the world with the world in the flesh. Um, it occurred to me uh, last night, I was watching a uh, YouTube video with Father Ripperger, and he was going over talking about holiness. And this has been largely a struggle for me because the uh, the fact is, is like most Catholics out there who are trying and striving to become holy, um, most of us are largely stuck in the purgative way where we're still actually trying to purge out all of those things. And I run into a few issues here and there, you know. Um, most of the priests that I, uh, that I have gone to confession to, um, they are a little bit more dismissive when I, when I confess sins that are largely venial or, or even if it is like an objectively mortally sinful thing, um, you know, being stuck in a situation <clears throat> where I have to make the decision, do I, do I do X, um, and run the risk of seriously detrimentally affecting a whole bunch of other people or do I do Y and end up effectively in a state of mortal sin. And I don't have a lot of latitude that I give myself, and so all of those things I actually bring up in confession. And historically, a lot of priests, you know, they're not terribly concerned about the venial sins, and they're more than willing to see, you know, what was going on and and kind of understand, you know, some of the other influences that, that led me to whatever decision that I made. Um, and I do kind of wish that more of them were in tune and, and understood that if I'm confessing something that appears to be a venial sin, it's because after evaluating all of the circumstances, it's something that is objectively mortal or even subjectively mortal. <clears throat> and there is a difference between objectively, like, because there are th everything, like there is an objective reality to events and decisions and actions uh, even, and thoughts, words, and deeds. There's an objective reality to it, and then you have all of the mitigating factors that might take away culpability. <clears throat> and I'm not terribly interested in the culpability aspect of it. You know, it's less of a concern for me as to whether or not I'm necessarily specifically culpable 
uh, because I got put in a, in a situation that most people would regard as impossible. The fact is, is that if it's coming up in the confessional, it's because I know that I am now denigrated. I've now damaged myself in that avenue. And it's very much, and by the way, if you happen to, I should actually make mention because the fan just shut off. I am recording this at work and we have a very loud heater that might actually be trying to drown out my voice. And I'm not terribly surprised by that. Um, maybe I shouldn't record my podcasts at work. I'm also not using the normal uh, setup. I'm actually recording this on my phone, and so I hope that the audio is sufficient because I have never tested out this equipment in this configuration. Um, <clears throat> but judging by the vis visible feedback that I have on the little sound meter, it appears that everything's going fine. So if, if this is actually a clearer podcast than normal, then praise God. Um, as, as I said, I'm at work, so I don't have my guitar. And it, on this setup, I don't know that I could even catch, you know, playing the guitar um, like, like I've begun to do at the beginning of the podcasts. The, <clears throat> yeah, the, the key principle thing is that if I'm bringing something up, to get back on topic, if I'm bringing something up in the confessional, it's... It's because I've taken a large amount of time to try and understand what the objective reality is. I'm not at all interested in relieving the culpability. The fact is, is okay, so it got reduced, so it's it's reduced from a mortal sin to a venial sin based on culpability. Okay, well that's great. Okay, whatever. Like what do I care? It is far more important to me that I try to find a way to break the attachment. And I believe, and this is just conjecture, because I am literally talking about my personal life, um, and so this is obviously not a teaching of the church, but I believe that the thing that was attached, that I was attached to, that caused me to make the decision in violation of natural or divine law, was more important on its own. I have a very difficult, I have a very hard time um, making a decision that's going to negatively affect other people, even if that decision is objectively an offense towards God. And it's not about, and, and I will say to kind of clarify, it's not about like whether or not I'm well regarded as a person. It actually literally comes from the fact that I don't want to do any harm to people. You know, that's kind of like that's the core guiding principle. To put it in, uh, to put it in a more secular term, um, <clears throat> if you've ever read the book Seven Habits for Highly Effective People, um, there is a spot in there. I think it's the fourth habit, which talks about going for the win-win. Which means that in, a, in it, because we're, because a lot of times we get caught up in 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 uh, two person zero sum game theory, and basically what that says, uh, basically the way that's developed is that in two person zero sum, the zero sum meaning means that there's going to be a victor and there's going to be a and there's going to be a loser. 
There'll be someone who wins and someone who's defeated. And you see this a lot in politics where they say where it's always like an all or nothing, you know, you must be part of this group and you must hate that group and you must do this and you must do that. And that's not really how life works. Um, for starters, it's never just two person. It's never just two parties. Like we, we have allowed our system in America to become a two person zero sum game. And that has caused immense amounts of damage to the body politic. Now, it wasn't quite so obvious in our younger days as a country, but today we all can very, there are very many people who are awake to the fact that this two-person zero-sum game of Republicans versus Democrats has been highly detrimental because basically what ended up happening was people infiltrated both parties and then you have A or B and there is no C and the same people who control A also control B. And that's basic, and that's one of the reasons why you never want to get into zero-sum games. Now, <clears throat> on the battlefield, it's a little bit different. You know, if you're in war, then it is a zero-sum game. Either the devil wins or you win. Now, notice I did not include Christ in that one because the devil wins if you go over to his side, and Christ wins regardless. And so for you to win, you actually have to be with Christ. And that's why I didn't really kind of explain that early on. Like that's like in, in, in spirituality, you conform yourself to Christ or the devil wins. Those are the two choices. So you can win if you conform yourself to Christ or the devil wins and you lose because you go to, you're the one who goes to hell. He's already going to hell. He's already in hell. His, his condemnation was pronounced at the beginning. Christ was the one who offered the rest of us the opportunity to get away from that. So either you win or the devil wins in spirituality. But you have to understand that that game is actually being played out with every word spoken, with every decision made, with every, with every choice that you have to make, or even when you abstain from making the choice uh, for whatever reason. Now, now it, we say abstain from making the choice if we decide not to choose, but the decision to not choose is also a choice. And there is, and even though you can say choose A or choose B or don't choose, more often than not in spiritual warfare, if you don't choose, then you choose whichever choice is the devil's choice. It's not to say that's in the absolute. Sometimes doing nothing is exactly what God wants us to do. God does tell us to stand still, be still, and know that I am the Lord. So, <clears throat> so there is something to be said for that. But if we're not conformed to Christ then when we decide to be still, chances are we're saying to ourselves, well, you know, God said, be still and know that I'm the Lord. When in reality, it's the devil who wanted you to not make that choice. It's the devil who wanted you to actually stand still and do nothing because he is free to do whatever else he wants to do. <clears throat> the, um, again, as I get to the end of that thought, it occurs to me, I'm probably going to end up re reiterating this because I'm extremely self-conscious whenever I actually get to talking about things, items of theology because for the most part it's above my pay grade. So do understand that, I, that these are my own conclusions based on what I've lived that appear to me to conform to the Catholic faith. And the key word on that one, or the key phrase in that is appear to me to conform. So I could be wrong. <clears throat> and if I am wrong, then by all means... I'm more than happy to receive fraternal correction on this. It's not like I'm talking about battlefield 
tactics in you know in the war between Russia and Ukraine. I'm talking I'm talking about the salvation of our souls, which is a topic that I understand the importance of, but truly know very little about. Um, admittedly, I think St. Thomas Aquinas would say much the same thing, since at the end of his writings, he did eventually say that everything that I've written is straw, as soon as, as, soon as God revealed to him, uh, I guess, a preview of his reward. I don't remember precisely how that story played out, I do, but I do know that at one point he was like, okay, all of this really cool stuff I wrote, yeah, it's going to be the basis for the church going forward, but it's, it's all so much straw. We can throw this in the fire and be fine. <clears throat> I'm not comparing myself to him. I'm simply, I'm simply putting, trying to conform myself as much, as closely as I can to him, because it's easier to get to him than it is for me to get to the cross of Christ. Although, please God, may one day I actually conform perfectly to your cross. <clears throat> the thing that I've noticed in day-to-day -day life, when it, when it comes to ending up falling into a situation where I know I have to go to confession, has mostly to do with the fact that wh however temporally and materially justified many of my decisions seem to be. The fact is, is that I know that when I come to those conclusions and I actually take that action, I'm intellectually aware of the fact that there's a core principle that's supposed to be guiding that decision, and I've allowed other things to get in the way. And whether it's the financial well-being of my, of my employees, or it's the... Um, <clears throat> or it's the, the fulfillment of an obligation to one of, my to one of our customers, or whatever the case may be, the fact is, is that I know what I'm supposed to be doing doesn't seem to line up. So for example, we come up to a deadline and I have to deliver an aircraft. Well, if I fail to deliver the aircraft, in, many in most cases in fact, Failure to, deliver, failure to deliver that aircraft on time can cost as much as $30,000 a day. Now, I don't know about you, but I don't have $30,000 in my back pocket that I can just throw out and be like, here, here you go. Um, I'll go ahead and take care of your losses. So it becomes a, an imminent struggle to make sure that the aircraft actually gets out the door on time so that, so that the customer's pilots can take the aircraft to wherever it's got to go and, and it can go back in revenue service and carry passengers the way it's supposed to. However, if I were to put on the scales the proper completion of my duties at, in my station at my company on one side of the scales and then the proper execution of my duties in God's name, those don't always balance out. And the fact is, is that I'm choosing the lesser good. You know, we're coming up on a deadline and we have to deliver the aircraft by this time. And so, in order to make that timeline, we work on Sunday. I hate that. It bothers me to no end. I've had to do it several times, and each time I've looked at it and said, No, this is not right. Now, I don't have... 
$30,000 to compensate the customer when they lose their day's worth of revenue. I don't have it. My company doesn't actually have it to spare. If we had to, if we did that, we missed three days, and we would miss three days and have to fire one to two employees for missing those three days. If we had to compensate for, if we had to compensate on that level for every aircraft, and then I have employees who now no longer have a job. My company is now no longer to actually do the business that it that it's in. <clears throat> But in my soul, I know that I would rather shut the company down. I would rather be out on the streets. I would rather be a beggar than to fall in and do this thing that is in clear violation of, of what God has said is our duty to him. And we're just talking about the duty in justice. Not even talking about the, chari the charity that is, actual, that is actually right and good and true to render beyond that. So I look at it and I go, okay, well, we have these issues that we have to take care of. We have these things that we have to do. We have this mission that we have to accomplish. And it is apparently in that moment more important. And mind you, if we were talking, if I was talking about some sort of function where we were actually promoting the faith or we were going out of our way to, to evangelized and then I might look at things a little bit differently and if we have to work on Sunday then we have to work on Sunday because that would be the business of evangelization <clears throat> but it's not the business of evangelization it's a service we provide which is definitively different it's decidedly different it's not the same But while I can make the choice for myself, and I could make the choice for myself, I also know that I don't have the right to make the choice for others. And that's the, and that's the part on the scales that I don't know if I'm necessarily making the right choice. The world is not going to end if the aircraft is delayed by a day. The world is not going to end if services are not provided for one day. There'll be a backup, to be sure. We'll be struggling to catch up, to be sure. It's going to cause a lot of stress, to be sure. But when I put that on the scales... And then I put God on the other scale, as if God could be contained. Obviously, this is a metaphor. <clears throat> the finite disasters are nothing, nothing compared to the most minor of venial sins. And this isn't a violation of something small. This isn't like, oh, we really wanted to get that contract, and so we did something underhanded. That maybe not necessarily illegal, or maybe even, or maybe just in the gray zone of morality. We're talking about something that is not temporal. It is not material. This isn't a transgression against anything material. This is a transgression against the infinite, against the Creator, against truth, good, 
beauty, justice, mercy, charity, temperance, prudence, fortitude, and all of those things in the infinite. And I say that, and you know, I use the number $30,000, and probably a few years from now, people are going to be laughing because it'll be like $30,000. That's a chump change. <clears throat> but $30,000, as of right now in the United States, is still, for many, many people, more than a half a year's pay. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself. And for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. It could be, if I'm to read into the best possible reading of my priests, and I'm inclined to do so because I have been extraordinarily fortunate to have some truly, truly caring priests. Now, they could be mistaken about a bunch of stuff, and honestly, I don't know. Who am I to judge? They are actually, simply by nature of being my priest, above my pay grade to be able to judge. And I've never seen them do anything or say anything that was particularly immoral <clears throat> or even, even in the most minuscule, infinitesimal way, malicious. You know, they, they have all been men of goodwill. Some have been, and I've kind of been able to to see that some have been greatly mistaken, but they have never actually been anything but the best possible priest that they could be in the time in the times when I've spoke when I've sat down and spoken with them, or I've sat in the confessional. 
knelt in the confessional. Excuse me, I say sat in the confessional like that's a thing. <clears throat> and so, in the confessional, it's never been, well, okay, you know that's wrong. They've always said something to the effect of, well, yes, um, that is absolutely true, but keep in mind, and I think it's actually on their part largely been, and it's purely conjecture on my part because I'm not a reader of souls or hearts or minds, <clears throat> but I believe that it's on their part to make sure that I don't fall into scrupulosity. Now, if they knew me, they would probably know that I'm at very little risk of falling into scrupulosity, <clears throat> and I'm at a far greater risk of falling into sloth, which if I were going to say... Uh, if I were to pick any of the seven deadly sins that are the most, uh, the ones that seem to be the most deadly to me, pride and sloth are the two that go hand in hand. Which is terrible for someone who is stuck in a world where he's supposed to be a professional. <clears throat> and scrupulosity has never really been too, too much of an issue. I don't stress about the, the scruples. It's simply, hey, I have seen this thing, and I really need to get that detritus away from me. I have to get that trash away from me. It's it's worse than it's <clears throat> it's worse than vile. <clears throat> but what does that have to do with some of the things? Because you were talking about the diabolic. Okay, I should probably get to the point. Through the course of my life. As, I, as I've been trying to walk this faith, uh, you know, walk in the footsteps of Christ and actually try to, and it's a, <laughs> admittedly, it almost feels like an act of futility. I mean, how, how on earth could I possibly come close to behaving the way, to the, behaving the way he was? <clears throat> I kind of feel like the Roman centurion because I'm a man, I'm a man who has authority and I tell people to do this and they do it and I tell them to do that and do it. Um, and so the, the chasm that is between where I am and where I want to be, it's definitely not, like I look at it and I know there is no way I'm going to cross this chasm myself. It has to be by the grace of God. <clears throat> but what I noticed is as I've been trying to walk down this path and, and, and emulate our Lord, I ran into, for a very long time, something odd. I would fall into mortal sin, like once. And then it would be, and because, because of the circumstances, I wouldn't be able to go to confession for, you know, maybe three, four weeks. And during the, and, and during the entire time of those three, four weeks, I wouldn't even have so much as the impulse to pursue the mortal sin. Which is weird. <clears throat> It certainly was uh, <clears throat> a direct contradiction, I guess you could say. <clears throat> yeah, but we'll go with contradiction. I, I feel like that word's not perfect, but we'll go with it. <clears throat> it, feel, it felt like a direct contradiction of the way that I would think the world would work. Because, of course, we know that sin darkens the intellect, and the intellect, and, and the more you sin, the darker it gets, and all of that. <clears throat> So it would stand to reason, and as it is the case in so many people's lives, that once you start down the path, you just sort of descend down that path. Well, 
the thing that was revealed to me um, <clears throat> by Father Ripperger in his conference that I was listening to last night was if you're in a state of mortal sin then you don't get the merits of good works you don't get the you don't get the, the graces that are above and beyond so if you're in a state, so if you're in a state of grace, then any good work that you do actually actually um, opens up the font of grace for more merit, and makes the act, the good work that you're doing, more meritorious. But if you're in a state of mortal sin, you could be as magnanimous as you want to be, and you will never actually get the graces. You'll never receive the merit because you don't qualify for it. Because spiritually you're dead, and who on earth, being dead can use anything that is equipped only for the living. <clears throat> the, um, <clears throat> and it's difficult, sorry about that, the, um, it was difficult to comprehend why that would be it was difficult for me to wrap my head around. It's like, okay, I fall into a state of mortal sin, and then I'm not even inclined to that mortal sin for weeks and weeks and weeks. So what's going on here? Well, I'm in the state of mortal sin. I'm dead. So any of the good things that I do, I, you know, I'm not getting any merit for it. And not getting any merit for it means that I'm not actually gaining in holiness. I'm merely only performing the works of the natural world. <clears throat> What I believe is is what's actually happening and is actually occurring for people who go through that <clears throat> is the devil is basically that and the devil quotation all of the all of the entire demonic hierarchy he is basically going cool we've stalled this guy in his spiritual progression because he's dead. So he's not going to gain in holiness because his acts no longer merit the grace. It's no longer merit the grace. And you no longer have the increase in sanctification. <clears throat> Which means he's not going to ascend to wherever it is he's supposed to be in the hierarchy in heaven. Quite odd. Putting those things together and realizing that it's actually just part of the long game seems to be the reason. So what does all that mean? Well, the best I can tell, <clears throat> and I hate to repeat myself, but I kind of have to backtrack. I had a bit of an interruption just now. The best I can tell is that it's actually part of the long game. It's the devil's long game. So if you happen to be the type who gets into a state of grace and then can carry there for about a week or two and then you fall and then, and then for some reason you can't get to confession and you don't actually suffer from the problem. <clears throat> if you actually look back at it, then you'll probably notice that there was something there that was a little bit above and beyond that was slightly 
outside the normal order. That's why I put that preamble in there, because I ended up in the state of Molos, and because of the well, obviously is. And here's where the thing came from. People tend to forget that, as far as I know, it's a teaching in the church that if you think you're in a state of mortal sin, then you're in a state of mortal sin. Like, if you believe that something you've done was actually a mortal sin, regardless of what you know about the whole deal, the fact is that you're in a state of mortal sin. Now, I could be mistaken. I certainly hope I am, <laughs> to be honest. Um, <clears throat> the, because that definitely that is kind of an issue you know it, it, it certainly provides more obstacles than I'd personally care to deal with considering I've got obstacles galore already you know I already have the world the flesh and the devil and if this is actually part of the battlefield then that's that's troublesome that means that means I'm going to spend a very long time trying to get beyond the purgative the, but if you look, you'll notice that there may have been some other movement, and it might be something external, but it, let's be real, more often than not, it's actually something internal. So you get a moment of actual increased turmoil, uh, an increased sort of tempest of the soul, and then either you move through it, or you fall. If you fall, and you notice that you're not going through it again for a long time, then you have to actually pay very close attention. And what I noticed early on, I didn't understand. You know, I was new to tradition, and I was new, I understood the precepts, the concepts, but because I was actually still um, <laughs> too old to be innocent as a babe, but too new to be fully aware of what was going on around me, I'd fall, in, <clears throat> I'd fall into a state of mortal sin. I'd go to confession. I would go to holy hours and this, that, and the other. And I'd be doing really well. And then I would fall into a state of mortal sin again. <clears throat> and then I would go to confession. And, uh, and it was kind of this repetitive thing. And then eventually, um, like we do because we're human, um, <clears throat> and because it happens to be, I guess, I'd like to think I'm, I'd like to think I'm different. The fact is I kind of intellectually know that I'm not. There are some differences with me, but when it comes to human nature, it's all pretty uniform. So I'm going to operate under the assumption that this, this is not out of the ordinary. <clears throat> Eventually, you're confessing the same thing over and over again. You're trying to figure out exactly why it is that you can't get past this thing. And you start to get frustrated. And in your frustration, you're like, well, let me see if I can try and figure it out on my own. And so you might go for a couple where you're not anything and everything kind of cools down and you think you've got a hold on it and you're like, okay, cool. I think I've got a hold on it. Let's go to confession. Now, some of you who are much, much smarter than me at this point are going, Caleb, that's not how that works. You are correct. <laughs> you are absolutely correct. <laughs> that is not how that works. And if you're doing it that way, well, guess what? Ugh. <laughs> nice try, bud. That's not the way that's supposed to work. <clears throat> yes, it's humiliating. In fact, actually, I would go so far as to say that I think that's actually part of the point. It is humiliating. It's supposed to be humiliating. The problem 
isn't the sin that you're committing. The problem is the pride that's behind it. You get into a state of grace, and you're like, yes, I'm in a state of grace. And then you forget to remember that the only reason why you're in that state of grace was because God provided you the opportunity to take advantage of the confessional, to take advantage of the sacraments, and that's what actually allowed you to get into the state of grace. We tend to get a little bit, and one of the things I dislike about saying it this way is that it implies something different than what is actually meant. But we get puffed up. We're like, okay, we're doing good. And then bam, fall. And then you get back up, and you're like, okay, we're doing good. And then bam, fall. And then you do that about 5, 6, 10, 12, 148 times. Not that I'm counting. And eventually you're like, well, the saints also teach that I shouldn't be falling to the same sin again and again. Most of us will get frustrated. Most of us will start to quit. Some of us will get lucky. And by lucky, I mean some of us will have God pour out the grace to have a priest or a theologian or somebody or a Catholic apologist or somebody who will say, did you look over here? Now, I say a priest or a theologian or somebody or a Catholic apologist or somebody, but I will tell you that every time I've actually managed to step past one of these things where I look and I go, oh, that's what that is. It has actually explicitly been a priest who points out, no, this is actually very common. This is actually what it is. This is actually what you're looking at. <clears throat> so, sins against the sin, sixth and ninth commandment, particularly like pornography or whatever, um, happens to be a thing that attacks trads. Why? Pride. Who pointed that out? <laughs> Father Isaac. He's like, it actually has to do with pride. Oh, well that makes sense. <clears throat> because to be a traditionalist, and this is one of the things that actually, that Gnosticism, this is one of the things that actually is the reason why if there are Gnostics in the world, this is the reason why there's Gnostics in the world. It's the pride of knowing something else, something more, something, something that you can actually pass on to somebody else. Because once you have something like that, and you may be freely giving it left and right, but the reality is, is that whether or not you're aware of it, by asking to be able to hand that out, if you're not extraordinarily careful, it's boosting up your pride. It's boosting up your self-image. And so while you may pray the prayer, it says something to the effect of, oh Lord, you know, thank you, thank you for the graces that you've given me, your unworthy servant. The fact is, is that it doesn't actually matter. It's still going to end up feeding your pride. You have to actually key in in a very special way, specifically against that special thing, so that you don't fall into that trap. But if you don't even know what you're looking for, <laughs> newsflash fam, you're going to fall into that trap. It's just going to happen. Well, following the law of Jesus, also sins against the sixth and ninth commandment. Well, the feeder sin. What could that possibly be? Well, well it, so it's very rarely actually lust. Like, if you actually find yourself and you're trying and striving to walk down and, and get through the purgative way, and you want to get to the illuminated way, and you want to get to the unitive way, 
and you're trying actually desperately to get in that direction, but you're struggling in the purgative way, chances are you know to guard against lust. You know to guard against against the actual direct object of the sin. So what else could it be? Well, Father Rick, depression. I dropped both of those times, and I looked and I was like, wow, I actually struggled with depression for most of my life. Maybe I should pay attention to that. And oh, hey, by the way, if it is in fact, because, because I was able largely to pull out depression that I was engaged at the time. <clears throat> okay, so it's not depression because I feel good about life. Everything is, everything is hunky-dory. I know who I believe in. I know who I am as a result of that. I know where I'm trying to get to, I should say. You know, it's, <laughs> I'm pointing the ship towards the cross, but for some reason I keep walking backwards. I don't understand why that is. So what's going on? Fear. Alright. It's easy for me to say that given the path that I've walked, I've been shot at, I've been rocketed, I've been blown out, I've jumped out of airplanes, I've engaged in rather vigorous altercations. So most of the mortal things, most of the temporal things, from a, <clears throat> I'm not particularly afraid of material threats. So what am I afraid of? Well, turns out at the time it was losing, losing face. But not the way you would think. Because I know what I believe as a Catholic, and so it's certainly not losing face there. And it's not really, you know, beyond what it is. Oh, I'm going to say this imperfectly, and please understand that I, this is imperfect speech. <clears throat> but it's not even necessarily the fear of stumbling. It's actually Or even the fear, the fear that somebody's going to call me out on something that I've done in the past. None of those things I'm particularly afraid of, so what am I afraid of? Well, there is this thing. I have a job, and it has responsibilities. And those responsibilities, if I fail at them, have ramifications. But wouldn't you know? It's the fear of failure in those responsibilities. Would that I would suffer from the same fear of failure when it comes to when it comes to falling into demons, or even or even at the time falling into faults. I do believe things would be would have been significantly better for me. I mean, you know, I certainly would have been dealing with much more challenging hardships. For those hardships, it is mutual hardships. They were in the category of people who actually become saints. <laughs> so from an objective standpoint, yeah, the suffering would be worse, but I would be better. <laughs> and it was that fear of losing face, it was that fear of failure, when the <clears throat> mostly actually at work, that had me And I would say beginning to despair because while I am intellectually aware of my hope in God, my will is human. <laughs> That's the best way. <laughs> my will is human. It's very much human. It's extraordinarily finite. <clears throat> two examples, there was the direct sin, 
that there was actually the sin that was guiding it from behind. And what I've noticed is that in my travels, those ones that were actually behind it have been my stumbling block. <clears throat> in my position at my, com at, at my company, I have a set of responsibilities. Failing to achieve those, those objectives have real consequences. Not just real consequences for me, because like I said, I, like, there's not very much in the material world that threatens me. And it's not even necessarily in the relations that I have with other people, because those relationships will, will come and go as documents. <clears throat> but a failure to achieve the objectives in line with my state and status in life, that's kind of a big deal. And I wouldn't say that I'm scrupulous to that end, because, thankfully, a job is just a job. It doesn't even matter if it's a career. It could be a career all it wants to be. I had the military as a career, and that, due to a collision of both my poor character and some very bad lawmaking, that was taken from me. Okay, I've already lost that once. I've lost a career. All right, whatever. I've been to prison. All right, whatever. So if I go to prison again, it's really not that big a deal. It'll, be, it'll suck, but it'll give me an opportunity to more fully pursue things that are actually legitimately right and good and true the way I did last time. <clears throat> now, granted, the circumstances are a little more difficult, and they're certainly difficult for anybody who's never been there to comprehend. But that's not... I've got that experience. So that doesn't bother me. But knowing that I could have made the choice that determined whether or not my people were able to continue to work, to continue to provide for their families, that one, that hurts. And because that hurts, I've found that it is far more simple <clears throat> to be manipulated towards making the wrong choice in the achieve in, in the attempt to try to stave off that eventuality. And that's a problem. It's a problem that as of yet I've not figured out how to deal with. I know what my options are. I know what some of my options are. And I'm hoping, if God willing, that something else is pointed out. May God send another priest or even some of the same priests to actually point out and say, hey, no, this is actually how you tackle that. And some of it's going to be definitely, definitively, it's going to be a change of perspective. <clears throat> and it's also hopefully going to feed a change in approach and please God, it be something that I am actually capable of. A choice that I can actually Choices won't I can actually try to conform myself more closely with the cross of Jesus Christ. <clears throat> and I would pray largely that that's kind of the same thing for everyone else, for all of you. I pray that you 
will receive the graces, the particularly those from your guardian angel, from the Blessed Mother, from God, and all the angels and saints, to illuminate your conscience, to illuminate your intellect, to help you find the way out, and that God will pour out at least a sufficient amount of grace, well, I say at least, he pours out a thimbleful of grace, and that grace is still infinite, so I don't know that, that I can say the sufficient amount of grace, but <clears throat> pour out the grace sufficient for your will to be fortified in order to make that call once those choices have been illuminated to you. It'll be interesting to see because I look around and I see the things that are approaching us and I know that there are things that are going to devastatingly affect us. I also know that the devil is going to play on all of those fears and all of those anxieties. That's what he does. It's kind of his whole shtick. <clears throat> but more importantly, I pray, in part, that I can get past him. But also in part, that you too can get past him. And that there's a shepherd who can get past whatever it is that's holding him back from actually giving this teaching so that more people can actually find their way down this path maybe a little bit easier. And thinking on that, because when I think of a shepherd who's trying to do exactly that, I actually think in this case of Bishop Schrick, of Archbishop Cardinal Maria Vigano, of, of uh, Cardinal Muller, Cardinal Braunmuller, Cardinal Seurat, Cardinal Burke, and all of the bishops. I can't name them all by name, but all of the bishops who are largely of goodwill, who are trying to find a way in this world to actually promote the faith, to get more people into heaven, to not have to stand in front of our Lord and be told, you suck as a servant, get out. <clears throat> because all of them, as I'm thinking, as I've taken the last 40, well, almost 50 minutes enumerating, all of them are going through the same thing. And that, <clears throat> that I think is probably the most important part of the message. Sorry about that. I had to scratch my ear, and I know the microphone is by one of my ears. <clears throat> That's the important part to take into consideration. Because as I've kind of laid this out, and I've had a chance to really look at it, the fact is, is that the bishops are in the same position. Your priest is in the same position. Now, there are some who have completely abandoned anything resembling what they're supposed to be doing in pursuing this New World Order um, synodality nonsense. You got that. But they've always been a minority. Leftists have been a minority everywhere. They have never been in the, ma in the majority. There is no communist, no Marxist, no feminist, no transgenderist, no none of them. They've never been in the majority. It's never been the majority of people. Sure, it probably hasn't been the majority of people since God wiped out the world in the flood. <clears throat> what we have is we have a bunch of people, most of whom are actually just trying to go along to get along, who are just trying to deal with the things that are in front of them, who are just trying to take care of their families or do their own thing or exercise whatever it is that they, whatever it is their dumbass concept, concept of liberty is or freedom. 
But the people who are really radical, who are trying to tear everything down, they're all in the minority. They've always been in the minority. Since the beginning, they were in the minority. Satan fell and one-third of the angels. That wasn't the majority of angels. It wasn't Satan fell and two-thirds of the angels. It was Satan fell and one-third of the angels. That's not a majority. The majority stayed faithful. The majority of people are to some degree or other, trying to stay faithful, the best and understand. Most of us have given in to the influence of all of the, all of the, of the minority, the very loud, vociferous, obnoxious, annoying, volatile minority. Why? Because we just don't want to deal with that. I'm not interested in dealing with that nonsense. Why should I have to deal with that nonsense? I'm trying to get my behind to heaven, and I'm trying to get as many people to heaven with me. <clears throat> and 10, 15, 15-ish years ago, 10, 10, 15 years ago, it wasn't about it. And I was just trying to live my life. I was trying to live my life and try to raise a family. Try to just... But I was never on board with the minority opinion. And I never wanted the minority opinion really to be the majority opinion. The majority opinion, the, the opinion of humanity through most of history at least through the last 2,000 years, the only opinion that matters, the one that came from God himself, <clears throat> that's been the majority opinion. And, oh, hey, by the way, because I know there's a little bit of latitude in there, let me go ahead and close that door that has that latitude in there. When I say it's been the majority opinion, it doesn't actually matter how many billions of people agree that evil is good. <clears throat> Eight and a half billion people could all believe that evil is good. There could be nobody on the other side of the aisle. 100% of humanity. Doesn't matter. The majority opinion is God's opinion. Why? Because <laughs> eight and a half billion is a finite number. As large as it is, as mind-numbing as it would be to try and, to try and visualize you could even visualize, if you wanted to, hey, there's eight and a half billion people on Earth, so I'll just vi visualize, visualize the Earth and everybody on it. Well, that's cool. That's still finite. And in the face of the infinite, the infinite is the majority opinion. God says be, and it is. That's the majority opinion. God says it, it is. He's the majority all of that to say to get back to actually my <clears throat> last real bullet point from this thing the same struggles that I'm facing in, in dealing with my day to day life and trying to make sure that I'm doing the right thing for the most amount of people possible those are the same struggles that the bishops are going through those are the same struggles that your priests are going through it is not easy for a parish priest, for the pastor of a parish, to make the choices that could seriously and heinously detrimentally affect their people. They have the conflict, but I'm the priest. If, if I'm not going to do it, who is? And to a very large degree, that is absolutely true. 
And it is absolutely true. As the priest, the priest is God's anointed. As the bishop, the bishop is God's anointed. If they're not going to do the job, then who will? But the only line of admonition that I would really give, and it's probably one that has come to Bishop Strickland, is you're not that special. Yes, you're God's anointed. But God can raise up stones and anoint them. If he really needed to. So the choice is, is it? Am I going to stand? The choice we put is actually by thinking that I have to be the one to do it. Or am I going to let God work through me and be his instrument? And I can tell you from personal experience that my screwdriver has never told me how to use it. Not ever. And even if it did, it's my screwdriver, I'll use it how I want. If I'm going to pry open a paint can, even though there's a pry bar that's actually designed for that, then I'm going to pry open a paint can. If I'm going to use it to cut the tape open to open a box, then I'm going to use it to cut the tape open to open a box. And my screwdriver actually has no say in the, it. Could be, it, could be perfectly it could be perfectly designed in however the heck it wants to be. But it's mine. So when I'm good and ready, I'll use it to undo screws and take a, and change light bulbs and make adjustments to my car or whatever. Whatever it is that is actually the proper function of a screwdriver. But I make the choice, not the screwdriver. And in the same way, we, our choice is only will we conform ourselves to the way God wants to use us. That's it. Far too often in my own life, that answer has been no. And every time I actually dig deeper, I find that that answer has been no even more. Even more than I thought. Even, even though I was on my knees in front of the altar saying yes, more often than not, I was still saying no. This is all just food for thought. If you have any comments, like I said, email me at caleb at radiofreecatholic.com. If you have advice, if you know a priest who's willing to answer some of the questions that I have, let me know. In the meantime, this is Caleb the Mechanic with Radio Free Catholic. May God bless you and the Virgin protect you. In nomine Patris et Filii et Spiritus Sancti. Amen.
Why don't more infant formula companies use organic, grass-fed whole milk instead of skim? Why don't more infant formula companies use the latest breast milk science? Why don't more infant formula companies run their own clinical trials? Why don't more infant formula companies use more of the proteins found in breast milk? Why don't more infant formula companies have their own factories instead of outsourcing their manufacturing? We wondered the same thing. So we made Byheart, a better formula for formula. Learn more at byheart.com.